Good morning, good morning, and good morning, and welcome to yet another episode of Popping Off and Feel the Podcast. Happy not Tuesday, co-host. <laughs> um, today is actually Friday. Today is Juneteenth, and I would love to say that it was my profound intention to do a special edition episode today because it is Juneteenth, um, but that would be inaccurate <laughs> and not honest. I did not record an episode this past Tuesday, and I want to apologize to my co-host, anybody who listens regularly, who likes, who shares, who rates the podcast, because season three has been irregular, to say the least. And I was listening to music the other day, and I and I happened upon Lauren Hill's MTV Unplugged, and there's a song that says, I find it hard to say, and, and the words really resonated with me and I shared it with a couple of friends because I was like this is this is the world that we're in I find it hard to say and she goes on to talk about so many things going on in the world and the the hook is rebel and that's where we are and you know I started this podcast because I thought that it was important to add a different voice to the landscape a voice that I had not heard because I feel that the black gay male experience in many ways as a caricature. We only see it one way. We only hear one thought. We only see one image. Um, And it's not actual and or factual. It's very monolithic. And I wanted to hear, I wanted to be the voice to someone. Um, I wanted to be the, the thought of someone who perhaps was like me looking for that, searching for that. I wanted to add a different perspective. I wanted this to speak to those individuals who normally wouldn't hear from me or hear from someone like me or hear my perspective because I've learned that the the media, whether it is news or whether it is entertainment controls, our views of a lot of things and a lot of people. And sometimes those views are distorted and I wanted something different, but I've just found it hard to put into words anything. I found it hard to talk about things that plague me personally. I found it hard to talk about my joys because there's so much going on in the world. Now, caveat to that. There is a lot going on in the world. There's a lot going on in the world that we can't necessarily control. Um, There's a lot going on in the world that impacts black folks, not persons of color, not brown people, black folks disproportionately. There was a world pandemic. There is a world pandemic going on. I think we've forgotten about that. And we're we're impacted disproportionately because of health and wealth disparities that are systemic. And that has shifted the norm. People are working from home. I've been working from home since March 17th. And I normally record my podcast on a Tuesday morning in transit. It keeps me accountable. um, And it certainly keeps me uh, within the bounds of micro content. (laughs) Because I don't talk and ramble on and on and on because I don't have that time. I I try to record or start recording as soon as I get in the car. Um, And by the time I pull up, I'm done or finishing up. And you know, getting ready to, to publish and being home has disturbed that process. And so there's been weeks that I'm like, uh, I'll post later. 
Maybe it's not going to be posted or available in the morning. Maybe it won't be posted or available this week. But um, I'm trying to regain some of that. I'm trying to recapture some of that. I am going through a, a very exciting time. I am embarking on home ownership again. I've gotten over my initial PTSD <laughs> that I experienced back in 2011, 2012, when I attempted to purchase property. And, you know, interest rates are low. <laughs> and, I, and I'm trying to take advantage of the byproducts of a horrible situation. Because that's the reality of that's the reality that we deal with. The situation that we're encountering is horrible, but there are byproducts that are not so bad. Low interest rates is one of them. I'm going to take advantage of that. I've saved a tremendous amount of money. I mean, listen, I just have gotten to the point where I've begun to kind of go back into the world. And I went <laughs> to brunch with one of my best friends and I spent $45, two cocktails and an entree. And it was $45 because I did tip at 18%, just so you know. And, um, I was like, I don't like this shit. I don't like this shit at all. I haven't spent this much money on a single meal in months. Um, yes, I've been going to the grocery store and buying and cooking more. And yes, my grocery bill is probably higher, but it's food that lasts me several, not several weeks, but two weeks. Cause I typically only go to the store like every other week. So like 14 days or so where I'm not, not having to buy food because there's food in my house. $45 was a, a was it was a shock that I had spent that much money on three fucking items. So, um, I've saved money. People are getting the opportunity to spend more time with their families. Um, they're getting more time to spend time with their friends. They're connecting in ways they hadn't connected before. There's been endless concerts and 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 panels and discussions and opportunities to uh, to interview people that are interesting to us, all because of everybody kind of being at home. And those are the byproducts that are good. I don't want people to feel bad about good things happening in their lives. Good things are not necessarily happening in your life because of all of this. Um, But create the separation and be like, hey, yeah, I know the world is going through a bad time, but I want to celebrate the fact that I'm going to purchase a home. I want to celebrate the fact that I'm pregnant and about to have a kid. I want to celebrate the fact that I'm getting married, even if that means that my wedding is not going to happen exactly the way that I wanted it to, Um, that I am buying a house, that I'm buying a car, whatever the joy is in your life, hold on to that because we need that and we need to see that. We need to see those happy moments in addition to all of our posts talking about the destruction and the carnage of our people. We also need to see that our people are striving and thriving and doing well. So don't lose sight of that. Anyway, I don't want to get off the topic of what I want to talk about today, because I do want to talk about Juneteenth. You know, my father uses this Bible verse um, to instill in his children the importance of your own personal study, growth, and development. Uh, I'm no Bible scholar, and if there are Bible scholars listening, please don't hold me accountable because I'm probably doing what you say we shouldn't do, and that is taking pieces of the Bible to apply to a certain situation, and I may not be doing it in context, but oh fucking well. 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says, study to show thyself approved unto God. It's important that we study. It's important that we, as Black folks, know our history and know it well for ourselves because for so many years, our histories have been retold and recounted and and republished 
by people who don't look like us telling us about our experiences and it informs them to also tell us how we should experience certain things it tells a tells it informs them to to tell us how we should react to certain things and how we should feel about certain things because well this happened and if this wouldn't happen it wouldn't be this you know there are legitimately white folks telling black folks that they don't have a right to be angry that their their position in life is totally their fault which totally ignores the systematic things that have been put in place to just keep us down even when we try to succeed um and so it's important for us to study to know what the fuck is going on in our lives because oftentimes we're not included in the retelling of our own stories that's why oral histories are so important because those people were actually there but their account of what happened was left out ain't nobody ever asked the slave what their account was we have to read a book 20 years later 30 years later 50 years later 100 years later of of how the slave interpreted slavery but for years we've been told, oh, well, the slave was happy and the slave was this and the slave was that. You actually believe that people were happy about being slaves? You actually believe that people were happy about not being considered human? About not having the opportunity to earn their own workable wage, of not owning their own properties, of not being able to raise their children the way that they wanted to raise them? You, not even being able to name their fucking kids. You actually want to want to make us believe that people were happy about that because they perhaps got to live in the house and cook for the master and their families. When the master says, oh, my 12-year-old son is becoming a boy, is becoming a man, is, you know, transitioning from being a boy to a man, and you have to refer to him now as sir, and you a grown-ass black man or a grown-ass black woman. Girl, uh-uh. So... I think it's important. And so I did some studying this morning about Juneteenth. Um, And I thought it was important because I don't want us to be distracted. Let's be clear. If black folks have not realized that our dollars matter, the world has. Corporations have. Our money matters. And until we can... Can, can internalize that and, and use that to our advantage as power, we're going to be at a great disadvantage. But with all that's been going on with the, the world pandemic shutting the world down and people having to be at home, people aren't spending money the way they used to. And companies are suffering. Obviously, they've had to lay people off. They've had to furlough people. They've had to eliminate and cut workforce. People are closing stores. Money means something. And they don't want to lose your dollars. So in the wake of everything that's going on, because you have a pandemic, but then you also have more and more Black folks dying at the hands of law enforcement or or just regular white folks who just feel entitled to just snuff out Black lives because they're bored um, or because they feel like they can. Um, and because the world and the justice system has constantly told them that it's okay because our lives matter less. So it's okay for you to do it. You know, they've been given a pass. Um, so that's happening. So that happened with George Floyd, with with Ahmaud Aubrey, with Breonna Taylor, and with the countless men who are apparently committing suicide by hanging from trees with nooses 
across the country. Let's be clear. I just want to inform people. I know most people who listen to this podcast are probably black, so you don't need to be informed. But I, I want you to spread this like wildfire or like a, 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 a professor used to say in college, spread it like cancer. Cancer spreads fast. Um, black folks don't hang themselves from trees, especially not with ropes, especially not with ropes that are tied in the form of nooses. The fuck? So when people are saying that these are alleged suicides, so all of this shit is going on, which is resulting in outrage, um, which are protests. They're not riots, they're protests. Um, I'm going to explain riots to you when I start talking about some of the other things that I want to talk about in this podcast. But we're protesting. We're just trying to visibly let people know that this shit ain't cool. Um, and we're tired. And and all of that's going on. And folks are still losing money because people aren't shopping or things are being destroyed. or Companies know this. And they don't want to lose your money and they don't want to lose your support. So that's why they screams are black and they're saying black lives matter. Corporations are having all of these open discussions about what it means to be black. You know, before, you know, we're not supposed to talk about those things. Black folks, black folks, let's be clear. We're not supposed to talk about our religion and our God. We're not supposed to talk about our politics and we're not supposed to talk about finances in the workplace because it makes other people uncomfortable. It makes them uncomfortable because our views are not shared because they ain't right. How can you say you love God and you worship God, but you don't want better for me? But it's not that you don't want better for me. You just don't want me to do better than you. But to be quite honest, you don't even want me to do equally as well as you. Because we sit across from each other and we do the same job. And I may or may not have more education than you, but you either make more than me by leaps and bounds or you're in a higher position than me. Not necessarily because you're more qualified or more educated, but because you're white. Let's be clear. That's what it is in a lot of instances. You know, I work for a company where um, until very recently, and by very recently, I mean within the last three years, I had more education than the AVP, which is Associate Vice President, then the VP, which is Vice President, and or the SVP, which is Senior Vice President. Yes, they've had years over me. And I get that. Their years and their experience with the company dictates that they should be in those particular roles. Okay. But I have degrees that I paid a lot of money for. It doesn't make me smarter but it does prove that I made a sacrifice to be better. Um, and so that means that it should be acknowledged. It doesn't matter that the degree isn't necessarily aligned with what it is I'm doing here because many of these people who do have degrees, and, and it really ain't many, it's few, don't necessarily have degrees in this field either. They don't have accounting or finance or economics or marketing or management degrees. They don't have degrees in business. They don't have MBAs or, or masters of science in any of those fields. They have liberal art degrees. Nothing wrong with liberal art degrees, but this isn't a liberal art com- a liberal arts company. So there's just this disparity between wage, between education, that creates these issues for us. That mm, people tell us that 
they shouldn't bother us or it's not a really big deal. And so that's why it's important for us to know what's going on. So I read up on Juneteenth this morning. Let me be clear. My maternal grandparents are from Texas. My grandfather died when I was five. My grandmother died when I was in high school. But we didn't talk about Juneteenth at home. And we didn't talk about Juneteenth at school because had we talked about Juneteenth at school, I would have been prompted to go home. Hey, my grandmother's from Texas. Let's have a conversation about this. And so I never got to get her perspective of what that even meant as a Texan. Because let's be clear, Juneteenth is about what happened in Texas. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But nonetheless, I, I didn't know. When you, I'm in college, I went to a black school, I went to HBCU, but in June, I'm at home. So Michigan doesn't have Juneteenth celebrations. I'm not saying that there aren't smaller communities that perhaps were into it, but it's kind of like Kwanzaa. I'm in a black family. We all celebrate Kwanzaa. We celebrate Christmas. Kwanzaa happens. Do I know about Kwanzaa? Yes. Because Kwanzaa became very commercialized. Juneteenth is kind of following that same trend, pushing forward to be a national holiday for us to have time off. And companies are responding. Hey, I got a half day today because of Juneteenth. I didn't listen to the message, so I don't know how he packaged it, but it's because of Juneteenth. And it's because he, as a CEO, wants to let his black employees know that he is aware of what's going on and he's trying to make a change. Now, while I don't mind having a half day off, I would like to see changes in management structures. I would like to see changes and opportunities afforded to African-Americans because they are qualified, whether they're college educated or not. Some of these African-Americans have the same 20 year experience at this company as some of these other white folks who are in these positions who don't deserve them and can't perform. Let's be clear. Anyway, Juneteenth. So I did some studying today. I am not a historian. I don't profess to be a historian. I am going to give you a real life definition and my thought process of what some of these things mean. So when I was in college, I used to do black nursery rhymes. Here's an example. Little Miss Muffet sat on her tuffet, eating her curd and whey. Along came a spider and sat down beside her and she squashed that motherfucker. So that's how I'm going to tell the Juneteenth story to you, as well as some other stories, because I want to bring light to some of the things that's going on in the world that are distractions, and I don't want us to be confused by it. Juneteenth, June 19th, 1865, is the day that slaves in Texas got the news that they too were also free. Let me dispel some things about the Emancipation Proclamation because white folks would like to tell you, well, you know, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. Okay, and this is how much they thought about that nigga. He's on a penny and a $5 bill. So the Emancipation Proclamation was an executive order signed by President Abraham Lincoln on September 22nd, 1862. It was effective January 1st, 1863. So let let me hit you with something real quick. I graduated from college May. 2007. I didn't start working until January and the end of January 2008. Now, because of the foreseeability of my ever-wise grandfather, God rest his sweet, sweet soul, um, I sent out a lot of announcements when I graduated because he said it's important to let the people know. It's not an invitation. It doesn't mean everybody can come, but you need to let people know that you've accomplished something because it means something. And because of that, I had enough graduation money to sustain me May, June, July, August, and September. 
and a little bit of no and a little bit of October. But bear in mind, I had an apartment with no job. I had a car that was paid for, but I had insurance and it was high as fuck because the area I lived in and I had never been insured before as an individual. Uh, I had some credit card bills, but not a lot because I was spending money because I thought I was going to get a fucking job. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll give that, that lesson later. Um, and I had cable, internet, phone, you know, the whole three play, the triple play that, you know, Comcast at the time was kind of letting you, you know, hey, this is the best way to get all of the things. You know, I had premium child. I mean, I was living a hot life. I was like, well, I got to have cable. And then I had to eat. And then I was also spending money like I drank water because guess what? I thought I was going to have a job. Imagine what it was like to be unemployed from May to January. I'm still, I'm still paying for some of those, from some, from some of those mistakes. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm still paying for some of those mistakes, those financial blunders that I made. So imagine this. Imagine what it's like to be a slave in the Confederate South, particularly states like Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Georgia, South Carolina. And the news gets out that you free. But it ain't a, in, in September, but it ain't effective into January. <laughs> so what do you think slave owners did during those several months where they knew they were going to be forced to identify enslaved African-Americans as free folk, just like you and me? How do you think that was for slaves? Now, here's the caveat to being free on January 1st of 1863. The executive order changed the legal status under federal law of enslaved African-Americans in the Confederate States from, from slave to free. Okay, great. Here's the caveat. As soon as you escape the control of the Confederate government, either by running away across Union lines or through the advance of federal troops. Okay. (laughs) So here we go. I was told in September that I will be free effective January 1st of the following year. But it is my responsibility as the newly freed slave with no resources to get myself from Mississippi, Georgia, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, to a union state and across the line in order to be free. How the fuck am I supposed to do that? Huh? So it's nuanced, white people. It's nuanced. Tell your white friends it's nuanced. I'm free, but my freedom is my responsibility with no fucking resources. So thank you, Emancipation Proclamation. Now, now let's also be clear. Running away, because I got to get through these states who don't really give a fuck about this law, no way. Let's be clear. The Confederate states and their government 
And the slave masters don't give a shit about this executive order. They don't care. (laughs) So I got to get free. But guess what? I have to run through all these states. Now, mind you, if I live in Florida, (laughs) in order to get to a Confederate state, I mean, in order to get from a Confederate state to a Union state, I got to run through quite a few Confederate states. You know, let's just say if I'm traveling along 75 (laughs) from Florida to Georgia, from Georgia to Tennessee, from Tennessee to Kentucky, from Kentucky to Ohio. I'm just saying, you know, just the paths that a person has to traverse in order to be free. Um, I got to try to figure that out with no resources. Bearing in mind that the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850 is still in effect. This was uh, signed by President Millard Fillmore. Fuck you very much. Who the fuck is Willard? I don't even know who Millard Fillmore is. I don't even remember him talking about him. Thank you. He's a bastard. Uh, That wasn't repealed until June of 1864. Mind you, this executive order that freed me as a slave that was signed in 1862 and effective in 1863. June of 1864 was over a year after this was effective. So I I don't have to go into grave detail. I think all of us kind of know what the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850 entailed and what it meant. (laughs) So we we weren't really, we weren't really free. Okay, so let's just, I'm going to dispel some of those myths. I want to move on from that, but that's just my take on Juneteenth. I think it's important that we celebrate. I think that it's important that we talk about it. I think it's important that we educate it. Um, I think it's been usurped a bit from Texas and Texans. Um, But as long as black folks drop out, it's fine. Don't allow these corporations to distort what's really going on in the world. And just because they are blacking out their screens and giving money to different society, I mean, different organizations and different societies, giving money to NAACP and the, 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 the defense fund so that people can be bailed out of jail when they are wrongly arrested for protesting and, not, and the rioters are setting Wendy's on fire and they white, no one cares about that shit. They want to blame us and say we're tearing up our community. You know, white folks looting in Target just like the black folks are looting from Target, but we're not going to pay attention to the white folks looting. Um, we just going to focus on the black folks that's looting. Yeah, that type of shit. Don't don't allow that to confuse what's going on. I want to talk about the person who is in office because I think that this is important. Because bear in mind that the the resident and idiot in chief and staff in office um, wanted to, and I promised that I wasn't going to be this way. I said that I was going to respect the office of the president of the United States, but it's hard when the person who's in the office is not respectable and doesn't deserve it and also doesn't respect the office in which he's in. So he was going to have a rally today, June 19th, June 10th, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For those of you who don't know, there was a race riot, a massacre in the Greenwood area of Tulsa, Oklahoma that lasted 16 hours from May 31st to June 1st in 1921. 
35 square blocks of the district were destroyed. At the time, it was the wealthiest black community in the United States known as Black Wall Street. Um, Words are important. And so I want to shed light on the difference in words and what they mean. A lot of people think that President Trump is funny. But the definition of funny is affording light mirth. Mirth meaning gladness or gaiety and laughter. And seeking or intended, and by intent we mean purpose, to amuse. That's what funny is. Um, Comedies are funny. Romantic comedies are funny. Comedians are funny. Because their intent is to amuse. To entertain. President Trump is not funny. President Trump is laughable. And there's a big damn difference. Like Tariq said in Wave to Exhale. First of all, he's my daddy. He's not my father. And there's a big damn difference between the two. And there is. Laughable is of a kind to provoke laughter or sometimes derision. Amusingly ridiculous. Derision is the use of ridicule or scorn to show contempt. Contempt is a lack of respect or reverence for something. The President of the United States attempting to have a rally on Juneteenth in Tulsa, Oklahoma is 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 an attempt at derision that shows contempt and has no respect or reverence for something that occurred or had or that had occurred. What had occurred was it took more than two years for black slaves in Texas to even be informed that something had been signed that made them free. And I'm pretty sure that the white folks that were their slave masters were fully aware that they were free. Tulsa, Oklahoma burned to the fucking ground And I'm going to tell you why. Because a black man by the name of Dick Rowland, who was 19 years old and a shoe shiner, was accused of assaulting a white woman by the name of Sarah Page, who was 17 years old, who was an elevator operator. As the story goes, young Dick um, tripped and fell into an open elevator. And he grabbed what he could to sustain balance. We all know what elevators look like. What he ended up grabbing was a woman, a white woman. She screamed out of fear. Now let's be clear, cause I like benefit of the doubt. If I'm standing in the elevator and somebody falls in the elevator and they grab my arm, I might scream too. I might scream too. But as soon as people rush to my aid to figure out what the fuck is going on, the first thing I'm gonna say is, Oh, my bad. He fell. 
he didn't help him up. He didn't mean this or whatever the case is. What happened was a store clerk, a white store clerk, saw what happened, heard her scream, saw that the encounter was between a white woman and a black man. And he immediately said, assault, rape. So a black man who tripped into an elevator, who grabbed a white woman for balance, who likely still fell, still fell, is accused of assault, possibly rape, which causes him to be carted off to jail. So even in 1921, there were fucking Karens. She wasn't a Karen because she weaponized her tears and said, oh, he tried to assault me or he tried to do that. But she was a Karen because her fucking ass was complicit. Because at any given time, she could have said, this is a huge misunderstanding. What you thought you saw, you didn't see. This, I've never seen this man before. He's never touched me before. She could have done all of that. She had the power to change the narrative of that particular situation, but she was complicit and she did not. And too often white women are complicit and they stand around and they watch and they see bad shit happen to good people and they don't say anything. And then they say, well, I didn't say anything because I was scared. What the fuck are you scared about? Your life is not in jeopardy. Your life is not going to be disproportionately affected because you basically said that what what happened isn't what really happened. The story goes on that he's arrested um, and that there are rumors in the community that he has been lynched or will be lynched. Lynched in 1921. Okay. Um, So... Black folks show up to City Hall. Like, what the fuck is going on? They got their guns. Guess what? White folks show up. They're not happy about it. Fight breaks out. Ten white men get killed. Two two black men were killed, but ten white men get killed. Let's be clear. If one white man gets killed to the world, that's one too many. We don't give a fuck if 20 black men are killed. But if one white man gets killed, we got a problem. As a result of this, white men began to terrorize the 35 blocks of the Greenwood area of Tulsa, Oklahoma, killing black men because they need retribution, obviously. Two of us died, so 25 of y'all motherfuckers got to die. But they also began to riot, loot the businesses and the homes of the African-Americans who lived in that community. So let's be clear about this. Rioting, looting, Carnage is a white people's game. We learned it, but it's their game. And it's evident in this particular situation because that's what the fuck they did. So when black folks are moaning, groaning, and complaining about riots and carnage and communities being towed up, let's look at the corporate culprits first. Because in a lot of these instances, we found out that those agitators, like that bitch who blew up the Wendy's in the black community, was a white woman. And you have to understand that these are things that we have learned. Okay. Moving right along. Um, in addition to in addition to all of this going on, Oklahoma's government decides that they need to declare martial law and that the National Guard needs to come in. So the subsequent day, which is June 1st, because this happened Memorial Day weekend, 
is the National Guard got involved and then they started dropping bombs. So white folks pillaging and attacking the community, looting and rioting people's houses and killing their husbands and daddies and shit like that. And then the National Guard is also dropping bombs and participating actively in this. They're supposed to help to instill peace. Dropping bombs does what? It doesn't doesn't look like it instills peace and restores order to me. It doesn't sound that way to me. So, now we have that to deal with. At the end of September, they dismissed the case because it was unfounded. There are no material facts. And the white woman, Sarah Page, Karen of the 1921, of the 1920s, of 1921, um, writes a letter and says that she wants to, she doesn't want to move forward. She wants to dismiss, dismiss things. She's, 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 she's done with it, you know? Um, nothing really happened. And so, you know, I'm, I'm good, you know, take me out of it. Pretty much what happens. Okay. So let's talk about what happened as a result of this. And this is how we get into things that are uh, systemic in terms of oppression. 10,000 black people were homeless as a result of this, the 35 square blocks of the district of Greenwood in Tulsa, Oklahoma being burned. $1.5 million in real estate was damaged. $750,000 in personal property was damaged. When they did uh, uh, an evaluation, the equivalent of that $1.5 million plus the $750,000 in damages, real estate and personal damage that occurred in 1921 would have equated to $32.25 million in 2019. Can we imagine, can you imagine what the generational wealth would have been if that community was allowed to continue to thrive and survive and to build and to grow and to pass down the changes that they could have made, okay? The property was never recouped or recovered. And, and, and nor was anybody ever compensated for their losses. $750,000 in personal damages in 1921. $1.5 million in real estate damage in 1921. Where were the bailouts? Where were the... Where were the, the government stepping in to make sure that people had what they needed? You know, this is long before the days of like GoFundMe's and shit like that. Where was the, 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 the state government? Where was the local government? Was the federal government to ensure that these black folks could get back on their feet? They couldn't. They were homeless and disenfranchised. So let's talk about systems because this is a system. In 1996, <clears throat> 75 years later, A study was launched. Oh, because we love studies. We love to study a particular situation and try to figure out what the fuck happened. There was a study launched. The the study concluded in 2001, or the study was concluded, and in 2001, the results of the study were published. And it revealed that the city, based on the, 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 the conversations that they had with people who were affected, you know, oftentimes when we do studies, we don't actually ask the people who are affected. So in this situation, we actually asked the white folks, you know, and we actually asked the white folks what happened. But we most importantly asked the black folks what they remember about this experience because you survived this. So you probably watched your father, your brother, 
your your husband be killed. So tell me what you remember about this in this particular situation. And so many things are, are, are some of the story is distorted. But what we know for sure is that a white woman was at the helm. <laughs> and um, what they revealed was, what the study revealed is that the city conspired with the mob of white citizens against the black citizens. And what they believed should have happened was reparations. Now, mind you, this is 2001 from a study that began in 1996, 75 years later. How do you repay somebody 75 plus years later, at this point, almost 80 years later, or more than 80 years later, for something that happened years ago? I can, I can only imagine how much what the equivalent was in 2001 to the 1.5 million in, in real estate damage loss and the $750,000 in personal damage loss. I can only imagine what, what the equivalent would have been even in 2001. You know what we got? In 2010, a memorial park was, was dedicated and erected. Okay, great, thanks, a, a statue. And in 2020, the Tulsa Race Massacre was introduced into the curriculum. 2020 is this year. This year, into the curriculum, they started talking about this. And we have a president who jokingly says, most people didn't know about Juneteenth and I made it popular. Give me credit for it. Okay? That's the world we live in. That's the world we live in. That's who's in charge. That's history. These are things that I I researched today and I thought that it was important for me to share it on Juneteenth so people understand what it is and what it ain't, Um, which led me to research the Emancipation Proclamation, which I still haven't read and will never read, so that people can understand what it is and what it ain't. Um, And all of the nuances that complicated something that should have been very simple freeing people who should never have been slaves. We, black folks, built this shit. And so if we collectively decide to tear this shit up and burn this shit to the fucking ground, we deserve it. We deserve it. We built it anyway. And if we built it once, we can build it again. But when you live in a world where every attempt that you've made to separate yourself from the people who say we don't want you to fucking be around anyway is destroyed. What do you do? That's the conversation that we need to be having. I post on Facebook. I post on IG. But the reality is the most, most of the people who are consuming my material are people who look like me who understand the struggle. It's not, a, it's not guesswork for them. And my hope is that they do share it because they ask, that they do share it and that maybe their their resource um, or their their reach is more diverse. Maybe they're connected to more people. I'll be honest, I'm from a black-ass city in Detroit, Michigan. I lived in a black-ass neighborhood. I went to black-ass schools from kindergarten all the way through college. It wasn't until I went to graduate school that I went to a school that was a PWI, predominantly white, 
institution and I did it online. And then I started working in corporate America. And even though leadership is predominantly white, the workforce is not. Um, People who are in power are predominantly white, but the people who contribute to the success are not. Um, So I post and I talk about things that are important, but I'm saying I'm preaching to the choir in a lot of ways. It is important. I understand that white folks want to have conversations. Some, you know, some want to understand where the where the vitriol comes from. And then some people try to do the false equivalency. You know, it's like, well, I understand why you feel this way, but do you really have to tear your own community up? I mean, you're only making things worse for yourself. You know, those are the conversations people really want to take. White folks really want to tell me as a black man, as a black gay man in America, in the South, no less. I understand this is Atlanta and people think it's the land of the free, but Atlanta ain't nothing. We, we are two steps away from being Juneteenth <laughs> in the 21st century because there's this assumption that we free, but we ain't, okay? So there's still struggles here and white folks are constantly trying to tell me how I should feel, how I should act, how I should react, how I should respond. Because they feel entitled and they feel like they can. Let's be clear. If I'm in the same space that you're in, you really shouldn't be thinking about me. But if you are, you should assume that I've earned the right to be here. That I've paid the wage, the price to be here. At no point in time do you as a white person have the right or the privilege to come up to me and ask me why I'm here. And then subsequently require that I prove why I'm here. I don't know you from a can of paint. I ain't never seen you before. If I'm here, you should assume that I'm here because I'm supposed to be here. And I don't have to prove to you you who are not the owner, you who are not law enforcement, you are not who, you who are not in charge, that I that I deserve to be here. I don't have the right. So I don't care about people losing their jobs. I don't care about people losing their opportunity. Because you should not be so emboldened to just question me just because. You know, that's the whole issue with the, the Ahmaud Arbery situation. Arbitrary decisions without facts. Embolden people to think that it was okay to chase somebody down in a car with a loaded gun and then shoot him in the stomach and watch him die in the middle of the streets in broad daylight. And then they weren't arrested because it's like they are proud citizens of their community and they're just looking out for their people, but they committed a crime in doing such. And when you commit a crime, you should be held responsible for the crime you committed and the punishment should fit that crime if justice is really blind. And this is the world that we live in in a world that we operate in, in a world we have to navigate, where we actually have to sit down and have conversations with our children of what you need to do in order to survive this moment. And guess what? You can do everything that they say do. And that's still not a guarantee that you're going to walk away from that situation alive or unharmed. And if you do walk away from that situation alive, you're not unharmed because it's traumatic. And the post-traumatic stress 
disorder that will most likely be developed because of this situation could find you in a situation where you are hurt far worse or killed because guess what black folks who have mental health issues and uh, issues like PTSD and depression and anxiety who find themselves in a situation where they're acting out are oftentimes killed without question because they are assumed to be erratic and dangerous. Educate yourself. Educate people. If you decide to take the walk to help a friend that doesn't look like you, that's perfectly fine. But everybody has to do their own part to study, to show thyself approved. You want to be a friend, you want to be an ally, do the work. It's not my responsibility to spoon feed you books that you should read, articles that you should read, podcasts that you should listen to, people you should ignore. Candace Owens, that rotten bitch, like Dave Chappelle said, should be ignored. She should be silenced. Stop giving her a platform. Stop talking about what she's talking about. Stop reposting her shit. Who the fuck cares? She doesn't care about us, but most importantly, she doesn't care about herself. She can't. She can't. So let that rotten bitch be a rotten bitch by herself. Instead, if you're going to post things, post Bakari Sellers and what he's talking about. You know, post Laverne Cox and what she's talking about because trans folks are dying too and they're part of the community, you know? And for me to hear other black people say that they don't support Black Lives Matter or they don't really care about trans folks because of this and because of that is also bullshit. They black. And at the end of the day, black folks are dying. And it doesn't matter if they gay, if they straight, if they're a man, if they're a woman, if they're trans. Black folks are dying. And all black folks should care about any black person that's dying. And if we're waiting around for white folks to care, we're just gonna keep getting all lives matter hashtags. Another false equivalence. <laughs> no shit. All lives matter, but all lives are not under attack. All lives are not being threatened. So on this Juneteenth, um, reflect and love on each other and one another and celebrate all you want. But make sure you understand what's going on around us so that you can call that shit out. And when people start asking us what our demands are, we start talking about the systems that destroyed and dismantled Greenwood, Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921 and how those people never recovered and how people are still living with the trauma that happened there. Because I'm pretty sure some people from 1921 are still alive. There are people who were elders at the time, but there are people who were children at the time that are still alive, who remember those things very vividly. And their lives were truly affected by it. But not just their lives, their families' lives. Because imagine what it's like in 1921 to be homeless and, and also an orphan because perhaps your father was killed and perhaps your mother was killed and perhaps your grandparents were killed and anybody else who could have taken care of you were also killed. These are the things that we need to think about and that the system did not properly compensate these people for their losses. And we wanna talk about, oh, black folks got insurance now for businesses because they can get it. Did these black folks have insurances? Obviously not because it never recovered. 
because of the system in place. There are systems that hold us down. There are systems that hold our head under the fucking water. There are systems that fill up so much space that you only have a little room to breathe. That's what we're fighting. We're trying to dismantle systems. And either we're going to dismantle systems by dismantling the system from within, or we're going, to, we're going to totally ignore that they have a system and create our own and try to make that work. But we always do that with the fear that they're going to come and fucking destroy it. And then not properly compensate us for the destruction and the carnage that they've left behind. We got to get hit, people. We got to wake up. We got to be wise. We got to understand what's going on around us. And we have to unify. And... That's the day. That's the message. That's the post. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. I hope you truly, 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 truly share this with somebody. Um, I am going to try my best to work through my traumas and my issues so that it doesn't keep us away from each other for so long. Um, that I do get back into a system of regularity. But know that I don't love you any less. Know that I care about you. Um, and know that it is still my responsibility that I take very seriously to use this platform to educate but also to 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 promote black joy and black success um for all black people for all queer people because that's important to me um and that's one of the reasons why I have been silent because I I, I couldn't find the words and I didn't want to just ramble on and on and on about something that was insignificant this is important it's important that we're heard it's important that we we know who we are. So when we're asked, we can tell them very boldly, you know? So continue to be black, continue to be proud. Um, I love y'all for real. Peace. <laughs>